Hi, welcome to the Flywheel Film Show. My name is Jordan, here from an ice castle in Boulder, Colorado. And this is Justin coming to you while crafting a 15-foot ice sculpture to Brad Paisley in snowy Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Today we discuss whether you can actually drive in this Arctic weather. And we talk dash cameras and how they can turn an accident into an accident you can put on YouTube. As you may have noticed, Austin is in the Arctic tundra, that is, is Texas. Doesn't have power, no internet of any kind, most likely freezing to death in his apartment. So does that mean he's not coming on then? <laughs> <laughs> no, Jordan, he's not. He has hypothermia, potentially frostbite. He's not coming on. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, so... For everyone out there, we just completed another video, this time with a record high amount of consumer advice, uh, which is to say, actually some consumer advice at all. <laughs> so we, we did a video on dash cams, and Jordan, if you wanna fill in some of the details of that a little bit. Yeah, so hopefully by now you know we have a YouTube channel called Flywheel Films. Um, but yeah, the latest video is installing a dash cam on NC Miata. Granted, that logic applies to just about any car, and um, we actually did it the correct way. If you could see me, I'm doing air quotes, um, <laughs> which is hardwiring it into the fuse box or some sort of you know built-in accessory power. Um, so we did not opt for a cigarette lighter or a USB port. Um, but yeah, it was a fun video. We uh, you know go check it out if you want to learn about dash cams, um, insurance tips and tricks, um, how to properly play GTA five. Uh, there's a lot of good, <laughs> a lot of good content in there. <laughs> yeah. That one, that one was a fun, fun one to make. It was one that I actually got to help with. Um, and that was, that was the one where you had, it was, uh, what was that called? It, it was a hard wiring kit, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, was it the same one that you linked in the video? Yes. So the first one we ordered was actually, defunct, um, did not work. So <laughs> Justin and our friend Cameron and I, uh, we, we spent you know probably an hour and a half trying to install it, tested everything, wouldn't work. Um, so that is another reason why you test it before you fully install it, because we could have you know run the wires beneath all the trim and you know removed all the interior of the car and hardwired everything and then tested it to find out it was a faulty kit. So we <laughs> got the replacement. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Justin drove uh, what the eighteen hours to get here just to film that. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the <laughs> that was the only reason I was there. There was no other, no other reason. Um, yeah, it, the most important part of that video is when Jordan says, "Test it before you before you install it," because we did we did not do that. the The insurance advice, the the how to install, none of that, none of that matters. So that's uh, on YouTube. Check it out. We, uh, we've got a lot of videos, a lot are around my Miata, but that's just because I'm the one with the cameras and that's my car. So it's really out of laziness, honestly. <laughs> uh, do we want to talk a little bit and maybe dive into a little bit deeper detail about why you may want a dash cam in your car for people who have seen the video, but maybe have some more questions or, um, I don't know. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, I thought we'd touch on that a little bit. This could be kind of a you know, behind the scenes, but also, um, they're just nice to have, you know, there's, there's accidents where it's, you know, one person's word against another. And that's really the main part we come at it from the video side is, um, why it's beneficial 
Um, especially if you know you're completely in the right and someone else is saying, no, it's your fault. Um, so that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, for those of you that don't know, I used to work in insurance. I was an insurance adjuster, um, which you would find out if you watch the video, which is why I'm now, I'm now an expert, <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally an insurance expert, but I was a claims adjuster. And so what I would see is, you know, people would have an accident and then I would investigate the accident and figure out exactly what happened, which involved getting statements from both drivers, getting the police report if applicable, taking a look at damage photos. And my favorite type of claim was when someone had a dash cam and could just send me the footage or they would, a lot of times they would just post the footage on YouTube as an unlisted link and then send me the link. All, well, sometimes it wouldn't be unlisted. They wouldn't know how to do that. And so you, you end up looking at it. It's got like 20,000 views already. <laughs> but, Russian dash cam videos. <laughs> yeah. Like, hold on a second, sir. This isn't your car. Um, but those were incredibly handy because, I mean, it makes sense. It's You can't really argue with live footage of an accident, especially if you can confirm that both of those vehicles are actually the vehicles that were in the accident. Um, I'll give you an example. So. I had a claim one time, and I have a, I have a bunch of claim stories that are that are pretty crazy. Uh, I had a claim one time where our insured, which means the person who paid us their premium, so we we insured him. He had a policy with us. Um, I, I won't tell you what company I had. Um, it's, uh, but I, I can tell you that they were not good neighbors, um, and they <laughs> and uh, they they had hands. Um, <clears throat> but we, there was a, this gentleman sent me a dash cam footage. He's like, Hey, you know, it was in an accident. Somebody had merged on the highway in, into his car. And I, and I immediately was like, Oh my gosh, I, I hate these accidents because a merging accident where the damage is on the sides of the vehicle, it is so incredibly difficult to tell who merged into who, um, you can make you know, you can infer based on things that were surrounding, like was there construction in the lane ahead of one person? Like, was there someone who would have needed to merge over? Uh, but that's really the only way you can find out who might be at fault. Otherwise, if you guys are just going straight down the highway and somebody drifts over into your lane, that is an incredibly difficult, difficult accident to determine fault for. So as soon as you told me, yeah, someone, someone merged into my lane while I was driving, I was like, oh, dang, okay, this one's going to be kind of tough. He's like, I actually, I have a dash cam. I was like, oh, Yes, this is awesome. So he sent me the footage, and it, it was a hit and run, um, which makes it even more difficult. So he had footage of this hit and run vehicle. So we got their license plate number, um, and that one was was a bit difficult to track down. It was like it was an an expired plate. Like I, I it wasn't even um, it might not have even been to the car. Or no, we couldn't find it in our typical databases, and so we actually ended up needing to call the um, the sheriff's department of the county that the um, that it was in. And the only reason we found out the county was because of the way the numbers were laid out on the license plate, and we found out it was it was a Mississippi plate, and that it was for um, I think uh, Desoto, uh, whichever the one is, whichever county is right below Memphis. Anyway, not necessarily important. I just want to let you know how difficult it was to figure out. <laughs> who this person was. So we find out who owns the car. I call them and I was like, hi, do you own such and such a vehicle? 
with this license plate number and they were like yeah i was like okay we have you on video getting into an accident with our driver and they proceeded to try to tell me oh no that's not me <laughs> it's like ma'am we literally have you on video hitting our driver's car she's like no that's not me and at that point there's not really a whole lot you can do i was like we have video evidence i can submit this and and um you know because it was a hit and run like that that's an illegal act and especially if they didn't have insurance so submitted it not really sure what ended up happening with that but because Mafia if, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if that guy didn't have a dash cam like he would have been sol because one the person left and unless he has you know an excellent memory or is able to pull his phone out and grab a picture of the license plate we would have never found that car which meant he would have had to file um a hit and run claim with his insurance which would have reduced his deductible to get the car fixed, but there's no guarantee that his rates would not have gone up. In fact, they probably would have because we really don't have any proof that there's another vehicle um, involved except for his word. So, um, but yeah, so that, that situation could have been a lot worse if he didn't have a dash cam for sure. Yeah. We're not all Jason Bourne. We can't recall every single license plate from the given <laughs> drive we just completed. Um, yeah. In the video we talk about, you know, some cars, come with dash cams already which is awesome i mean the c8 corvette has that front and rear um teslas you know have they have 30 million cameras on them um but you know there's a famous story where i mean that's actually what inspired me to get a dash cam was this um news something or other that uh c8 corvette was you know driving on the twisty mountain roads probably driving in a good clip um and a it was one of the first c8 accidents which is why it made the news um, this this Harley with foot peg clipped the um, air intake on the side of the C8 and just destroyed that. Oh, my gosh. And the motorcyclist tried to play the victim and was like, look, this guy with his crazy red sports car is driving recklessly. And I'm just out here trying to you know have a nice mountain drive. But the <laughs> C8 Corvette has like, hey, uh, I have dash cam footage. <laughs> uh, which immediately made the motorcycle nervous. Yeah. Um, and you look at the footage and yeah, the motorcycle had completely crossed the double yellow on this yep. switchback turn and clipped the C8, which was in his lane properly. So that was the first thing that tipped my mind into, Oh, I'm going to get some protection because I drive a lot of mountain roads and I know myself, I don't cross double yellows. I literally do not condone that because that's highly dangerous, especially when you can't see the curve in front of you. So, um, yeah, thankfully definitely. everyone was okay, but yeah, yeah for sure. Get a I, dash cam. <laughs> yeah. If there's anything you take away from this, get a dash cam. Yeah. I, those motorcycle accidents are scary. I had an accident almost exactly like that switchback motorcycle, but no one had a dash cam. And so it was word versus word. And, um, I think, I don't remember what we ended up doing, but with stuff like that, we try to get really deep into how the impact happened. And I think we ended up determining that the motorcyclist had, gone over the line which was not what i was expecting because the other car was like a big f-250 and so just size wise you're like oh it's going to be easier for this f-250 to go across the line than the motorcycle but due to the impact i think we determined the opposite but once again would have been a lot easier if we had a dash cam now i do want to point out the obvious downfall to a dash cam and that's if <laughs> you as the driver of the car with the dash cam do something completely wrong that can come back to bite you had that happen with a gentleman who was at a stop stop sign and uh, got into an accident. The other driver like cut the corner way, way too much and hit his car. But 
by looking at the dash cam, we were able to determine that our driver did not come to a complete stop and was well past the stop line when the impact occurred. So because of that, our driver actually shared some negligence in the accident, um, which Jordan, I, don't, I could probably talk about insurance all day, so I don't know if you want me to explain <laughs> negligence or if we want to save that for another episode. Or Yeah, I mean, we could do another insurance deep dive too, but you know, essentially there's, there's usually a share of the negligence between the two drivers. If yes. It's, you know, unless it's like completely cut and dry. Like a rear end accident. Yeah, where it's like you're just sitting in a stoplight and some numpty comes up behind you. Yeah, yeah. Or if your car is parked and someone hits it, I've had or destroys it or yeah. blows it up. Yeah, you you seem to watch that video. We yeah, had, we had a lot of fun using GTA as B-roll footage. Yes, that uh, was oh my gosh. With and that so, was um, yeah. In the beginning, that was Austin, who was driving his his character and using a bat and gasoline and. Uh, fireworks launcher. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you know, as people know, you know, you did insurance in the past. Now you do some valet work. Um, have you seen any exciting spots in valet or otherwise? Um, you know, this week haven't seen a whole lot of of crazy cars. Um, I've had this guy who's they're staying at the hotel, and he has a. Um, a Mercedes G550, the wagon, and uh, he's been taking it out constantly since we got snow, which I was like, okay, I understand. Like, he literally came out and was like, I'm going to go see how this does in, in the in the snow and ice. I was like, you know what? I was actually going to be kind of upset if you didn't take it out considering the weather. It's <laughs> like, what's what's the point of getting a G-Wagon if you don't use it in, in the snow? Um, yeah, nothing, nothing really crazy crazy this week that I've seen just with the weather people haven't really been traveling a whole lot and I was at a different location over the weekend which had less nice cars and more trucks and that is a rant I will save for another episode <laughs> yeah uh well I saw I mean not that much I guess because I you know same thing weather uh, but I did get out in the snow quite a bit had nice. a lot of fun um, only possible because of winter tires. Spoiler <laughs> alert for later <laughs> in the episode. Um, but uh, yeah, we I got Mexican food on the let's see Valentine's Day uh, with my buddy, and he drives a Buick Regal Tour X, which a lot of people just don't even know what that is. Um, it's actually a rebadged Opel Insignia here in the U.S. So a wagon we got in the U.S. Oh, what what are the what, odds? I actually a think it's wagon. I think it's turbo too. It's oh, it's sweet. Geez. Looks good. Um, <laughs> so my friend Imad, he uh, he modifies literally everything he touches. So it's his literally his wife's daily driver, but he you know lowered it, put rims. <laughs> oh man, that's a, that's a risk. <laughs> that's a risk. Hey babe, let me let me mod your your daily. <laughs> yeah, he lowered it. He put rims on it. It's 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 looking nice. Um, but it's actually got his winter wheels on it. So he's got like you know eighteen sets of wheels in his garage because every single car has to have winter and summer and probably track. And <laughs> yeah, and shout um, out to so him. Was, shout out to his wife though to let him let him mess with with her car like that. Is I think most people who date or marry a car person understand that the risk is that if they start a project, it could just sit in the garage <laughs> for years waiting for them to do something with it i don't know if it's as much as she lets him but you know she'll just get out of the car and be like oh it's 
let's modify it more or something's different or the, literally the other day she uh you know he, he installed a like a really simple tune where you can adjust the throttle response and just get more oomph out of the car and he had it turned up to nine which is like basically it's ready for the track and she's she comes home she's like listen something's wrong with the car she's like what do you mean She's like, it's just driving really weird, and like the, the pedal's really sensitive. He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I did yeah, that uh, about that. <laughs> She's like, you don't drive this, <laughs> uh, and only but, nine. Turn that, turn that throttle up to eleven. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see the cars. You know, I live in Colorado, and a lot of cars get out in the snow that you don't expect. I mean, I see like Acuras and Porsches and. All sorts of cars, and literally, if you have snow tires, you can do it. That's the bottom line. So that kind of brings us into our our main car misconception segment today. Um, it's just winter driving in general. You know, it's all present on our minds. Some people say don't do it. Some people say you need a Jeep with thirty five inch tires. Um, some say Texans can never learn. Uh, so I wanted <laughs> to shine some light on winter driving reality. Um, so yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts? Well, I like how we said Texans can never learn. We'll see how we'll see how Austin views <laughs> views this podcast when he goes to listen. Although I guess he's technically not a Texan. He's he's from Missouri, like the rest of us. Um, yeah. Yeah. I uh, one thing in that I wish I had yesterday or two days ago when I was driving to work in the snow, and I, Jordan remember this conversation because I called him and I said, "Hey, all I really want right now is a rear wheel drive sports car." with some winter tires on it one because i want to have some fun but also it would do better than my front wheel drive honda accord with with all seasons which the all seasons are are good you know and and i they're fairly new so they have good tread on them but it's just with front wheel drive you just if you start sliding there's really not a whole lot you can do especially in the corner um, because of the way physics is (laughs) Um, but yeah, let's. We're going to cover a couple of misconceptions here for winter driving. The first one that I want to talk about is this misconception that we, you have to idle your car when you prepare to leave in the morning, like after a cold winter night, snowing, icing, or just freezing weather. This misconception that you have to go outside and idle your car for minutes or you know ten, fifteen minutes before you can start driving it. So I actually wrote a blog on this, which will be up. Um, on our website eventually when we get the website up we'll see when that happens we don't really have a timeline for it we're kind of focusing on on videos instagram and podcast right now but i wrote a blog on this and that misconception comes from pre mid pre 85 basically or mid 80s when vehicles had carburetors um so the carburetors is is a fancy little gizmo that that determines the fuel air mixture of a vehicle and it does it using um, mechanical engineering as opposed to the cars of today which use you know computer analyzed fuel injection so uh, the carburetors in order to get the proper fuel mixture had to be idled so that they would then they would get a better fuel mixture because otherwise it would run what they call they run a rich mixture which basically means the vehicle is putting more gas into the mixture because the the air um, it can't get enough air into the engine or the air is incredibly um, cold or just not it's not operating it at uh, 
its full ability. So it has to run a rich mixture, which means more gas. Well, uh, the older cars or the carburetors that they were running rich mixtures had, they would potentially stall out if they weren't warmed up enough. So that's where the idling comes from. Since 85 and since cars started using fuel injection, uh, that is a thing of the past. So it actually can damage your engine. Uh, gasoline is actually, it, it can degrade a lot of the oils and stuff that are in your car and actually almost like quote unquote clean out like the cylinders and, and, and the camshafts and stuff like that with, you know, where the oil is. I don't know necessarily the camshafts because I don't know if the gas is really getting in there, but I, I know things I, I'm an engineer, um, <laughs> but it can, it can, you know, take off and remove the oils from the surfaces that the engine needs oil on. So if you're running fuel rich mixtures for too long, it can actually end up hurting your engine because now oil's not getting to places that it should be. And I mean, if, you know, if you think about these metal pistons and these tiny, uh, you know, shafts that are, are moving up and down at a very high rate of speed, even at an idle speed, you know, um, like imagine no lubricant in between the wall and, and the piston. And it's, you know, it's just like, it's incredibly damaging and it can cause, cause it to freeze up. Um, so over time, it's just something you don't want to do. A lot of cars nowadays will get to a proper operating temperature a lot quicker. So really all you need to do is, is turn on your car, get it started, get out, scrape off your windshield, and then you're ready to go. And most of the time, by that point, the, the heating elements in the vehicle will already um, have heated the cabin enough, even if the engine bay isn't, isn't, quite, uh, isn't quite hot yet, because that's, that was also where a lot of your hot air came from, from back in the day. It was like, oh, the engines actually heated up the, the air within the cabin. So now, and then that pushes it through, um, you know, into the cabin. But so don't need to idle anymore. It can actually hurt your engine, so don't do it. Unless you drive a car that was made prior to 1985. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely fine to you know get it get it started and warm it up a little bit. I mean, remote start's a great feature. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's no reason to you know have it running for 15 minutes before exactly. you're ready. Um, and the, there is a, I mean, there is a component like you don't want to start it and then drive. I mean, you yeah, want to start it and yeah. let it. Let it run for at least a few seconds. Let everything lubricate up. Um, if you yeah. have a turbo car, it is beneficial to let it, you know, lube get the oil flowing through the turbo and everything a little bit. So it's it is beneficial to have it run for a minute. But yeah, you don't need to idle it for ever. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you're wasting gas. You're killing the environment. Yeah, that's true. Rooting trees. <laughs> um, killing polar bears. Actually, trees. Trees. Yeah. The, <laughs> the yeah. Trees like podcast. Yeah, the latest pie guy was Elon Musk. They pointed out the more pollution we cause, the better the plants are doing. Uh, so it's, <laughs> yeah, just, save the trees. Yeah, just leave uh, it to leave it to Elon. Be like, oh, here's a here's a nice silver lining. We could have a, a crap ton of trees here in a while. Yeah, but the the big point I wanted to touch on is um, tires. I mean, that is literally the biggest component of winter driving, um, and it's you know the misconception of oh you can't or you shouldn't drive in snow, um, obviously be safe, be wise, know that when there's snow, your stopping distance will be greater. You should not do the speed limit if there's sketchy conditions. Ice is a whole other 
I mean, snow tires won't do anything on ice. Um, ice, you literally have to have studded tires or, or uh, chains or avoid it. Um, but snow tires, I mean, I drive a Miata all winter in Colorado. And the way it's possible is with dedicated snow tires. They have tread that is literally built to handle the snow and cut into it and push it out the sides. Um, they're rotational. Uh, so I, you know, I can't rotate the tires from one side of the car to the other. Um, and I have this to offset my summer high performance tires. So I don't have all seasons as an option. All seasons are okay, but winter tires, snow tires are way better than all seasons in snow. So when you say that they're rotational, does that mean like each tire has to be on a specific quadrant or a specific uh, side of the vehicle? side. So they're, oh, okay. they're built, the tread is built a certain way to where if it's rotating, if you're looking at the tire and it's rotating counterclockwise on the left side mm. of the car, it's the tread is built to work better. If you put on the other side of the car, it would actually hurt like oh, it would push I, the I snow a, inside into the middle of the car <laughs> I, I had a i had a shop that rotated my tires incorrectly they were all seasons um and in the rain it the car just literally wanted to lose control and i was so confused until i realized they, they had the, oh they had right? yeah <clears throat> yeah they had the tires all mixed up so that was funny um but yeah so and there's there's all seasons they're fine um it is actually a little bit easier in the snow if you have front wheel drive um, unless you want to have fun and then you need to have rear wheel drive <laughs> yes, that's and correct. preferably a limited slip differential. Um, yeah. the, the LSD limited slip differential does help in the snow because, you know, if one wheel is kind of stuck, the other one's not just spinning freely. That's that would happen in an open differential, which most cars have. Um, a lot of sports cars, um, like mine have a limited slip, which really helps in the snow. Cause that way if one's not spinning super well, um, it'll still spin and, the other one will spin too. This really doesn't make sense. Look, you can't see my hands. <laughs> um, I can see seasons, your hands, and it still doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> all seasons are better than you know summer tires. Um, there's actually also all weather tires, which are different than all seasons. They're actually a more modern um, alternative, and they're they handle snow better than all seasons. All seasons, the other you know some people call them no seasons like they're just not <laughs> yeah. the best in anything but they also aren't terrible you know summer tires will literally turn to bricks below like 30 degrees um, so all seasons are okay especially if you have four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive um, but winter snow tires if you're in a climate that gets a lot of snow i highly recommend having snow tires and if you have them on a separate set of wheels which you can usually find pretty cheap that would fit your car you know someone's always selling a set of the OEM or Steelys, you can throw winter tires on them and then you can just switch them out as needed. Jack up your car, switch out your wheels. Um, you don't have to go to a shop to get the actual rubber switched from wheels to wheels. Yeah, that's a good point. Is that, I mean, for me here in Tennessee, we, we don't get these snowstorms a whole lot. So the winter tires wouldn't make sense. And also because I drive a front wheel drive car, it's not like I'm going to have fun in it anyway. Um, and if I did get winter tires, I'd I don't know. Would you recommend, like, for someone like me who has a Honda Accord front wheel drive, would you recommend, like, oh, I'm in a climate where it snows a lot? Would you recommend all four tires get switched to snow tires, or just like the front two, where the majority of the driving and steering, or all the driving and all the steering is done? I would recommend all four because they, even for the the rear wheels, which do nothing except you know, slide. slide. 
they, yeah, they, they would slide more if you didn't have the proper snow tire traction. And snow tires, um, they do lose their tread a bit faster. Okay. Um, they're not built to last as long. So that's why it's beneficial to have them as a separate, like you just run them in the couple months of winter. And I, I actually switch mine out a lot more. I switch my wheels like I switch my shoes. Um, but a lot of people around here will put on their winter tires, you know, in November and take them off in like March. And they're sometimes driving a little less anyways in the winter. So mm -hmm. that's like, you know, a third, um, around a third of the year where they're in winter tires. And the other part, they'll have, you know, good all seasons. And you really do get what you pay for with tires. Um, if you're buying, you know, the, the kind of the, the best winter tires are like the Michelin Excise or the um, the Blizzax. That's like the gold standard for a lot of people. Yeah, um, they're they're really good. I have a kind of an off-brand Shampiro Ice Pro is what they're called, and they they're actually fine. They're studdable, so they're not studded, but they have holes. If I wanted to add studs, did you say Shapiro um, Ice Pro? No, Cham <laughs> Champiro. Uh, <laughs> like to wreck this snow with facts and logic. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, because they lose, you know, you don't want to just run them all year. Um, cause in the, in the heat, they would probably just dis like disintegrate a lot faster, but yeah. in the winter they do great. So, I mean, I got my whole set of spare tires and brand new winter or spare wheels and brand new winter tires. All that cost me 300 bucks, which was cheaper than normally wow. buying just cheap tires. So if you look on Facebook marketplace, Craigslist, wherever, you can usually find something. Just look up your bolt pattern, your offset, and your you know, wheel size, and uh, find something that fits you. So even if you get snow, you know, maybe one month a year, it's still worth it, in my opinion. At least if you want to get out and drive on the rough days. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are working from home now. It's not a big deal to get out. They can just wait out the weather. But if you have, you know, a Miata and you have a mountain three blocks away, and like, ah, I kind of want to go drive that. Yeah. Well, oh man, so $300 for all those, all those tires. Yeah. And wheels is, and, is nuts. Wow. I mean, if you think about it, the way that you get shoes, I mean, what kind of shoes are you going to be buying for winter? Well, probably, probably some kind of boots. And if you get anything decent, it's going to cost you 150 bucks for a yep. pair, which is two shoes. So if you got four shoes, that's $300. I mean, essentially it'd be the same thing as buying, it's buying boots for your car. I bought Sportiva hiking boots for my car. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, basically, winter driving is possible. Um, and just use your head. I mean, so I, I mentioned the Texans part kind of as a joke. Like, a lot of people see, like, Texas license plates out here, and they're like, oh, gosh, what are these people doing out? But, no. like, it's so easy to drive in winter if you just, you know, Think about the physics and, you know, snow makes it more slippery and you got to plan for a longer stopping distance. You can't plan to make a turn at speed. Just go slow. No one's going to be mad at you for driving 20 under the speed limit Correct. when it's snowing. Now, Correct. if it's summer, yes. you get out of the left <laughs> lane. But in the winter, everyone just wants everyone to be safe. Um, I came from Texas. I didn't live, grow up there, but it's, you know, uh, it was it was scary. <laughs> yeah. Couple of things I want to I want to mention on this as well is you know one of the big things that I see is people not keeping momentum when going up even a slight incline, uh, and that is one of the biggest reasons I've seen people out here like just get stuck and then cause an entire traffic jam behind them because they were going up a hill, they didn't keep momentum, and 
they you know their car isn't able to get enough traction to come to go from a complete stop um so yeah i mean it's like jordan said it's it's common common sense stuff although it kind of really isn't because you have people that are from these states like california texas and they've never had to deal with it and so maybe someone never actually taught them or like sat in the car and be like okay well here's what you got to think about when you go driving in the snow which i had thankfully um but if you like jordan said if you think about what snow means from a physics standpoint you can pretty much infer what you should be doing with your car i did want to talk to you about okay best type of drivetrain setup for the snow which we kind of already talked about um and you know maybe some pros and cons of each because last week on the show we kind of just crapped on SUVs and trucks <laughs> because of how much <laughs> they cost and now we're like oh you know for snow they're not too bad so i kind of want to talk about that a little bit so yeah four wheel drive and all wheel drive are obviously best better than two wheel drive front or rear um front is technically a little better than snow um but you know our escape is four wheel drive but on demand, like it's front wheel drive by default, but it brings in the rear wheels at any time that it senses any sort of slippage and it does a really good job. Okay. So you can theoretically have bad all wheel drive systems that don't do very well, uh, but you're still getting the added effect of more tires on, on the road trying to do things, which would theoretically mean more traction. Now on the front wheel drive, does that have a, have more of an, more of an advantage simply because of the added weight? on the front of the vehicle? Sometimes that's the case, um, but really, you know, the front is pulling the car along. If you're in a really low traction scenario and it's rear wheel drive, you can have more of the fishtailing happen because the rear of the car is trying to move forward and the front can't really determine where to go. So the front wheel drive, you can think of the front wheels pulling the car along, mm -hmm. which helps in those low traction situations. Okay. But um, at the same time, you can't do oversteer donuts in a front wheel drive yeah, so can't, can't you know, do pick them, your poison can't <laughs> do them spinny boys them them pi r squareds in the parking lot yeah but uh yeah i mean the, the last thing i just wanted to wrap it up with is you know it's it does help you know you see a lot of subarus and you know suvs out here that is beneficial in the snow um Ice, ice is tricky because in the ice, it doesn't matter what you have. If you have a sheet of ice on the ground, mm -hmm. nothing's going to work unless you have actual studded or chained wheels. Um, so keep that in mind. Ice, really don't drive in it. But if there's like, you know, three or four inches of snow, we don't get much ice out here. Like just it's piece of cake as long as you use logic. <laughs> yeah. Use logic. You know what? That should be that should be the mantra for the podcast. Use logic. Please. We, we are using Logic Pro <laughs> on our MacBooks. <laughs> Not sponsored. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's a wrap for today. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Hope you learned something or at least found it entertaining. If you have questions or corrections, we're not always right. Um, we usually are, unless I ask Jordan a random question that he wasn't prepared for. Send us a direct message, or as the kids call it these days, slide into our DMs. Uh, we have Instagram, Facebook, even email. On Instagram and Facebook, we are just Flywheel Films. Here, uh, if you send us an email or an electronic mail, it's theflywheelfilms at gmail.com. Yeah, check out our other platforms. Uh, Instagram and YouTube contain most of our content at Flywheel Films, like you said. 
And uh, my Miata has an Instagram at ghosty.miata. Um, you'll see a lot of great snow photos there of me thoroughly enjoying my winter setup. Um, and Austin's not here, but his Fiesta ST is kona.party.st. And I don't have an Instagram, but you can send me a message in a bottle. <laughs> all right. But thank you all for listening and good night. <laughs> I just want to do that at the end of every, every episode. episode yeah.